Hello, San Diego biz babes. Your host, Paulina Salazar, welcomes a podcast where passion meets income. Here we aspire to inspire. For more information, visit SanDiegoBizBabes.com. San Diego Biz Babes, Paulina Salazar here again, and I am interviewing the one and only short sale queen, Nicole Espinosa. I am so beyond excited to share this with you guys because I actually found her on YouTube, just YouTubing videos about short sales because I'm so intrigued with them right now. I currently have two. Uh, that I'm dealing with clients, and so I really thought that this could bring you guys value because it honestly brought me so much value, and the fact that she's just killing it in short sales is amazing, especially as a female entrepreneur, so here you guys go, the one and only Nicole Espinosa. All right, Nicole, thank you so much for being on my podcast. This honestly means a lot to me, and I'm so amazed by your story. And so I'd want the listeners to hear in on what got you to this place, because myself as an agent, you know, it's traditional, just real estate is one thing, but short sales is a whole nother game. So your story is so fascinating to me and I would love for everyone to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, So it's definitely been a journey Um, going on 10 years, well, I went on 10 years last month of being in the business and um, about eight years, uh, just solely focusing on short sales. So, um, it's, you know, a lot of time. it's funny because when we went national two years ago, um, in 2018, everyone's like, wow, you came out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, I've only been doing this for eight years. <laughs> so it's, it's funny what people, when people start to recognize or what they see on the outside, they have no idea like how much time, effort, and just everything that you put into it just, just to really stay in the business, first of all, and then try to thrive. So um, when I first got into the business, um, my background is actually in with REOs, which are real estate-owned properties, foreclosures. Um, So I got thrown into uh, working with asset managers and uh, started running the office uh, for a real estate broker. That's all they did um, back in 2008, 2009. And that was like my first exposure to really working with the banks um, and really running anything on a high level. Um, I wasn't licensed yet, and I knew I started learning so much. I mean, I was so green. I had just moved here from Florida and had no idea really what I wanted to do and then just mm-hmm. kind of dove in. So um, I always say, I always joke around, like it, it really was the worst job I ever had, but it was. I was so grateful for it because that experience taught me so much, and mm-hmm. it really laid the foundation for what I do now. Um, and, and really understanding how the banks worked and operated. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, um, did that for two years and got my license. And as a real estate agent, you know, figuring out, like, it was, it was a whole other world for me. I mean, I could have told you what the asset managers, and, like the different programs, like Equator and all the difficult things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, could not, I couldn't have told you what a CRM was. I had no idea what a database was. I, I had no clue. I was ignorant. Um, when I got licensed, I did not want to do foreclosures because I had, you know, it was just such a miserable job for me. I was evicting homeowners and it was, yeah. it was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just to see, like I'm a single mom, so I mean, at the time I was married, but you know, just seeing like the families 
and get, getting the phone calls of like, you know, people crying. I mean, it was just awful. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was like, okay, there's got to be a better way to make money. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't do this. And so that's why I ventured out. It just so happened that, you know, I really believe that things fall into place the way they should. Um, my first listing was actually a short sale. And I remember going to that listing like it was yesterday because I was sitting down with the seller and here I am, this 21-year-old who quit and was ambitious. I, I, was, I had a salary. I mean, I was making a lot of money for a 21-year-old, making like 75000 plus bonuses and, and insurance. And it was this cushion job at the time that I took this leap of faith and I was just like, I'm going to do this on my own. And I remember thinking, okay, I got my first listing. Like, I'm going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And the seller told me that not only was he facing foreclosure, but that he um, could not sell at the list price that I had suggested. And I was like, okay, so now what? Yeah. <laughs> and the broker at the time was like, just let it go. All the agents were like, hey, just, you know, don't even worry about it. It's not worth your time. And to me, I've always been a solution-oriented person. I'm like, okay, well... Here I am. I'm like, I've got a listing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna close this. <laughs> like, yeah. This is, and I'm sure a lot of your agents can resonate with that. Like, yeah. This figure it out attitude of like, hey, I need money. Mm-hmm. Like, I was used to a paycheck. Like, I need to get paid. Yeah. And so I was on the phone with the bank for, for with his lender for two hours, um, close to two hours, and um, that was really the first short sale I did. And I don't know if I did it well, but it got completed, and just honestly figured it out. I mean, there's no resources. Um, you know, part of my story is the fact that the reason why I put so much information out on social media and the reason why I'm so passionate about, you know, advocating for these homeowners and teaching agents is because I had to learn and realize so fast that there was nothing out there for anyone. And, and that's why so many people were giving the wrong advice. Mm-hmm. They're giving bad advice mm-hmm. to consumers. And that's why a lot of people ended up foreclosing on being foreclosed on because agents had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. That's so fast so forward a um, couple years, I, once I developed my process, I started marketing, um, you know, to agents and started teaching classes. I wrote a two hour CE class for mostly agents on teaching them how to do the process and then really just started developing my brand. Um, I was always hyper local to DFW, the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, but my nickname here locally was always the short sale queen. Like mm-hmm. on social media, they would tag me and say, Hey, just talk to Nicole. She's the short sale queen. And it wasn't until, you know, six years later that when I decided to brand nationally, cause we were in different markets, um, that I decided to make my company, um, the short sale queen and so it, it just kind of took off from there that's such an awesome story like so when you first I guess when you first initially started though you're saying you started without a license right because I a lot of the listeners are brand new agents as well um, and I always say you know you don't need a license to get going so how, how long was it until you actually got licensed yeah so I was in the industry for two years before I got licensed and I initially nice. got hired as the broker's assistant um, to help her with just, you know, administrative stuff. And then I just ended up running the office and then working directly with the asset managers. So there was a lot that I was doing mm-hmm. um, in that world where I wasn't licensed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it took a, it was about two years until I finally got my license. Okay. And can you explain kind of, I guess, break it down a little bit. What is a short sale? Yeah, absolutely. So a short sale is where a homeowner 
owes between their mortgages, liens, anything that's um, related to the property, mm-hmm. they owe more than the house is actually worth. So for a real estate agent, they would it would look like they would go to an appointment, they would talk to a seller, and the seller would not be able to afford to sell the house at what the uh, market value is. Yeah. And this is including you know closing costs and, of course, the agent getting paid. Um, and in order to qualify for a short sale, not only do they have to be upside down, uh, which they owe more than the house is worth, but they also have to have some type of financial hardship. Okay. So they have to prove that they can't afford the home. Mm-hmm. And usually when someone's in foreclosure or behind on their payments, it's not hard to prove or justify to the bank. Got it. That was going to be my next question. How soon do they need to, like how soon is it considered a short sale? Like it's just after the first payment or you can just basically, even before you miss the first payment, you can submit like, you know, that I'm having financial hardship. Yeah, so um, as soon as some a borrower or a seller falls behind uh, 30 days, they start getting it. They get a notice. Uh-huh. Um, so really, they can start if they know if a if a seller is um, in a hardship and they know that they can't afford it. It's better to start you know sooner than later. And um, a lot of times, people wait to the last minute, and that's the worst thing you could do because now you have deadlines of foreclosure and. You know, the more proactive you are, the easier the bank will work with you on getting, you know, the short sale approved. Okay. Okay. So it is, it's much better to do short sale route versus a foreclosure because a foreclosure would obviously harm your credit and things of that nature, right? Or does short sales still affect that? Yeah. So that's actually the number one misconception, right? So people like to lump in because there's a bank involved in both a foreclosure and a short sale. Um, people like to compare or think that they're very similar and they're not Mm -hmm. because in a foreclosure, the bank is the seller. Mm -hmm. So the homeowner, once they get foreclosed on, um, they're leaving themselves open to liability where the bank can pursue them and, you know, sue them and place a judgment against them personally for the difference of whatever they owe and how much the house actually sold for. Um, and, you know, that's going to follow them around, that liability, okay. um, as well as getting taxed on that difference. Okay. So there's a lot of things that, you know, as far as your credit, you know, it's 7 to 10 plus years. And I say 7 to 10 plus because it's whenever they actually record it. So mm-hmm. I've seen it sometimes go longer. Um, that can negatively impact their credit. Uh, with a short sale, we're actually settling that debt. So the whole point of going through the process is so that we can get the lender to agree to take the loss. And once they agree in writing, that's it. They get to walk away free and clear from that debt, and on their credit, it shows as a paid transaction or yeah. a paid paid debt. Okay. So, like in a, in a situation like the one we have today, right? With like coronavirus, I've been thinking a lot about it. You know, people are unemployed. Do you foresee more short sales coming about within the next year or two? I mean, hopefully this oh, gets absolutely. figured out. You know, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, there's so much uncertainty right now, but one thing that is certain is, is just the economic, um, you know, damage that's already done. Um, I know there's a huge debate going on right now, like, do we open, do we close, and, you know, not to get into that whole thing, but regardless, we have 6.6 million people that have filed for unemployment. I mean, we have lenders across the board that are not prepared for the amount of um, people that are going to need help with their mortgage. So. I think it's going to come in waves, honestly. I yeah. think that, obviously, the longer that we stay closed, the longer 
the more damage um, that it's going to be done to, you know, everyone financially, to our economy, everything, mm-hmm. all the above. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely, I don't think that we're, our market's going to crash. This is not an 08 situation. Yeah. Because um, I, I went through 08. I, I got into the uh, market when it was, or to the industry, when the market was the worst possible um, that it could be. But you have to understand the difference between now and then is back then, the market crashed because of the subprime loans, yeah. which means that the loans that they were giving were just crappy loans. Yeah. So they defaulted because those borrowers should have never gotten them in the first place. Yeah. So it was predatory lending. Yeah. These borrowers now, these homeowners that are defaulting, they're defaulting because they're losing their jobs, yeah. because their businesses are shutting down, because they have finance. So it's, it's just a different kind of seller and a different kind of hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the banks are somewhat... Um, more, you know, set up for short sales and loss mitigation than they were before. Because back in the day, they there wasn't even short sale departments. You know, fast forward 2020, they've yeah. done millions of short sales, so at least they have the infrastructure that they didn't have back then. Yeah. Um, now, as far as, like, the waves, I think that the first wave we're going to see are the people that were already barely hanging on. Yeah. And now this kind of pushed them over the edge. Mm-hmm. And then in the next six months, the people that have gone through the forbearance with their lenders, we're going to see another wave of people that realize um, that was just a temporary mandate mm-hmm. and now they can't afford it. Yeah. Um, and then the next year or two, we're going to see people that are going to do everything they can to try and fix it, to get money, to get side hustles, do whatever they can. Mm-hmm. And the people that are going to go through loan modifications um, and that get not ultimately get denied, we'll see a lot of those people that will be forced to sell. Yeah. Um, but this doesn't just mean short sales. I mean, this is going to be inventory across the board for people that are maybe even trying to be smart about it and just have to downsize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they realize, okay, I need to you know minimize my expenses because I'm maybe making less income. So regardless, real estate agents need to get prepared for the amount of inventory that's going to um, come up, which means that the market is going to, you know, drastically switch to uh, shift to a, a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that people need to understand and pivot, you know, with their business. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, quarantine has not been all that great, obviously, when you're cooped up with your family no. trying not to kill each other. <laughs> but that's but that's really, you know, my network, at least of agents, that's all we've been doing is just like studying, you know, preparing, you know, getting our pipeline going and then just figuring out new creative ways to advertise during this time because it is going to be so different. So oh, absolutely. it's just a little bit exciting. But I, what I also am excited about is your book that obviously haven't read but it's called short sale uncensored can you kind of share with us like what that entails and who that kind of helps yeah absolutely so i i put the book out there as um, a resource for the real estate community Um, you don't have to want to do short sales or specialize in them to buy the book um i truly believe that as professionals you know as the leaders of the community we need to be educated on everything um, you need to understand the basics so that you can give good advice. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wrote the book. It's really for anybody in the industry that is going to work with clients. <laughs> and you, um, in the book, it's, it's pretty easy read. Um, it's not, you know, I, I wasn't going to write a thousand pages on short sales. So I don't think really anybody wants to read that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's me. I wrote the book and I talk about just the actual short sale process. Um, really understanding the client because 
a lot of times people think the banks are the hardest part of the transaction when it comes to short sales, and that's not the case. It's the homeowner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talk, I break that down, and then just kind of answer the most common uh, misconceptions that real estate agents have uh, when it comes to short sales. So that way, agents feel more equipped, and they just feel more knowledgeable when interacting with clients on what to advise, because you, you want to be that resource for your community, for your network, um, and feel comfortable with what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I can't wait to read it, honestly. I want to learn so much about short sales. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> but you also mentioned a lot, like, na- network, you know, your nationwide network. So how did that just come to be? I know you obviously rapidly grew, but then were you, yeah. like, purposely reaching out to other states, or how did that happen? No, so um, the whole reason why, so, again, I was hyper-local to Dallas-Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and then um, when I... Um, when Hurricane Harvey hit, we were already getting so many people that were asking us to branch out to Houston. And I was like, okay, fine. So my brand used to be DFW short sale experts. And then we, we made it to Houston short sale experts. And then we had people that were in um, Florida because I'm from Florida that were like, I need your help here. And I'm like, okay, I can't keep, I can't keep putting like, you know, yeah. these hyper local brands. I have to figure out like if we're going to expand you know, what we can do. So that's where the short sale queen was born. And um, once we launched that, I did not prepare whatsoever for the reaction, for the traction, for, I mean, it was just insane. We had people from all over the country that um, have reached out to us that want to work with us in different markets. Um, and that's, that's how we became nationwide. I mean, I, my intent, honestly, when I did the short sale queen was, yes, we said we're nationwide, just meaning that we had the ability to be in other markets. But I didn't anticipate um, to be to grow that quick. Mm-hmm. And with anything, I mean, and I'm very transparent. If mm-hmm. anyone follows me on social media, I, I just say say what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, failures, you know, what I messed up at, whatever, because I feel like everybody can learn from that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm a salesperson, so I'm like, yep, we can absolutely help you. Like, I'm sure people can resonate with that. Like, we got this. <laughs> nope, we got this. We'll figure it out. And we were in, like, 13 markets, like, it felt like overnight. And I was like, okay, this is not freaking working. So um, at the time, I was at Keller Williams, and I love Keller Williams. I I had just amazing experience there, but they just did not have the ability to grow with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just very, very difficult, unless you were planning on doing full expansion teams. um, It just, they just couldn't help us. So... Uh, fast forward, um, you know, I was going to just have my own brokerage and figure it out. And we ended up uh, joining forces with the network that we're in now at EXP. Mm-hmm. And it just created so many opportunities for us um, where we were able to have agents nationwide within our network. And I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I didn't have to open up a physical office. Uh, we could literally go anywhere and still have the resources like our network has about like 3000 people in it right now. So it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it just, you know, my thing, my biggest, cause you know, I kind of just did overview. We could probably talk for like hours about just the last 10 years, but my biggest takeaway from the last 10 years, if I could do it all over again is stop being so freaking stubborn and stop trying to reinvent the wheel and align yourself with the people that can help you grow that have already done it. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I would have 
have that perspective a lot sooner because I probably would have drank a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would have recouped so much more money um, because it's you can grow so much faster together. And so that was really the vision behind it. And I have no desire to physically be that person in all 50 states. And so because we've been able to create our network and align ourselves with like people that are doing business on a top, on a high level um, that we really wouldn't have access to otherwise, it was a complete game changer. Um, So as of today, we are in nine different markets um, and we have about 15 people um, across the nation um, that are within our network. Wow. That's so awesome. And at this point, I'm assuming like, are you even, do you prospect anymore? Because <laughs> it's like, once you get to like this point, you're just getting deals, right? Yeah, so we've been 100% referral for the last three years. That's so cool. And before the three years, how were you prospecting? Was it like online leads or just maybe past clients? Yeah, so I um, never purchase leads ever. Um, I am a relationship person through and through. Mm-hmm. And even though I can kill it on the phones. I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I sometimes I'm like, okay, let me, let me talk to them because I love, like, the, the chase, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and kill. Yeah. Um, but I was cold calling, um, and I was – and, you know, you also have to remember, too, that I didn't have a huge amount of money to start a business. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of forced to organically grow my business because I was so young, I was so ignorant, and I just – I was hungry. Like, I had, at the time, a nine-month-old and an ex-husband that was worthless. Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those situations where it's like, if I don't get it done, there is no backup plan. Yeah. I have no backup plan for this. I have no savings. My family doesn't have money. Like, this is it. I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what woke me up every morning. And I would cold call. I would time block um, to cold call pre-foreclosures. Um, and uh, people that were on the auction list, and then I would network my butt off. Um, anybody that would come across um, people that were distressed, like, you would be hearing from me. I was consistent every single day on social media, like, how can I educate, how can I train, and as a result of doing that and giving back and being a resource, I was getting referrals. Um, Once I started getting about 50% you know, referrals, and then I was 50% of prospecting, then I started going really hard on, um, you know, teaching classes and mm-hmm. co- constantly trying to put out more resources uh, for agents. And then eventually, um, after I don't even know how long, five, six years, I, it was finally 100% referral. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we, we get about, I, I don't even know, like maybe five to ten listings a day referrals. Um but, you know, obviously not all of them work out, but, like, that's the consistency of, like, the leads that come in. Mm-hmm. That's freaking awesome. I can't wait. I mean, you know, five to ten years sounds like a long time when you're impatient, but yeah. it's just, like, the little And I am the least patient person ever, girl, so trust me, if I can do it, you know, you just have to know what your vision is. Like, yeah. what is, what are you working towards? And it'll come, you know, mm-hmm. and you start to see like the fruits of your labor, but everything I see, everything that I do is six months to a year out. Mm-hmm. And so when you train your yourself to think that way, it's so much easier. Um, because a lot of times, even with agents, like with my traditional agents, you know, I'm like, you guys are spoiled. <laughs> you guys have 30 to 60 day closings, like hush. Yeah. 
So it's so much easier for you guys, but they, they're the same way, you know, like they want to eat a lot of the agents. They just want the, um, easy leads. They want the ones that come instant gratification. Yep. And what they don't understand is like when you are looking long term, you are going to, you know, grow your business tenfold as opposed to chasing the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's 100% right. So would you say that your favorite thing about short sales would be just pretty much the relationship part of it? Um, I think the, my favorite thing about short sales is the fact that it's constantly changing and the fact that we can constantly provide solutions. Mm. Um, I loved it because it was challenging. Um, I also hate it because it's challenging, right? So it's like a double-edged sword. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things where it, it, for me, it was always like, okay, how do I figure this out? Like, cause that's just how my brain works yeah. and, you know, really mastering this niche over the last 10 years, because that's all I do every day. Like I highly focused on this mm-hmm. and I, even when I wasn't busy, I didn't stray. I didn't go to do traditional. I didn't work with buyers or sellers or any of that or like traditional sellers. Um, I just highly focused on this, and that's how I was able to build such a big business um, because I wasn't focused on anything but this. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you narrow it down to a, a niche like this, it's it's honestly like the best thing I think you can do. That's something that I've really been working on the last two years. It's like, okay, even just narrowing down like a pocket, you know, an area. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, I was like, I'll take anything. You know, it was like over there, over here like whatever but now I'm to the point where I'm like okay I need to find like something that I'm really passionate about I love real estate so thank you for sharing that and a lot of agents make yeah absolutely and a lot of agents make that mistake they're like I buy sell lease this that I'm like okay so there's nothing about you that that would even stick out you're just a realtor Mm -hmm. but when you and you don't have to do short sales to stick out I mean you can do you know, like if like you could specialize. Your thing can be that you work with first time homebuyers, and you know the grants like the back of your hand. Yeah. And you are providing solutions that way, but whatever you're doing, like be the best at it and create a brand around it, yeah. so that people can you can stick out as opposed to the hundred million other agents that have their license. Yeah. So for those with like big goals, such as myself, you're already like you're killing it, and I can't even. I feel like balancing out my life now is already hard as it is. How are you doing it? Like, what does your normal day look like, and what are you doing to stay sane? Um, well, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a different answer in quarantine than normal. Yeah, that's true. Um, because the, the ability to keep mentally sane and really productive and thrive in crisis like this is a whole other ballgame from just like the normal chaos. So my life is usually like traveling. Like it's funny because I was actually uh, talking about this on another video about how just if you told me in the beginning of March when I had three or four trips planned for the next 60 days to the point where I was like, okay, I can't commit to anything else because I have two kids and they need to know their mother. Yeah. So, and from that to just completely staying home, like, this whole shift, and I'm sure everybody feels it, yeah. um, it's really hard, because I'm used to being 24-7 on the go, um, and I have to stay structured, or I can't get out of bed. Like, yeah. it's just that extreme. Yeah. And so, for me, the way that I've been able to thrive, I mean, it's, it's a day-to-day thing. Like, I can't, I get too overwhelmed thinking about next week. 
because I'm like, I, I have to just get through today because it's so hard staying motivated and staying consistent when you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're like a prisoner in your house. Mm-hmm. And so for me, sticking to my routine has been so fundamental just for my, my mindset. Um, and that's, that's on a normal um, day because, you know, for the same extreme of where I'm like, hey, you can't go anywhere for the longest time my life was just this stress chaos that was like just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So I I really feel like on this spectrum, you know, everybody's been forced to slow down and you can utilize this time to be the best version of yourself and really clear up any excuses where you said you didn't have time to do to really complete those. Um, Or you can sit back and watch Netflix and then watch everyone else come out of this, you know, on top. Mm -hmm. And it's really just your mindset on, on how bad do you want it? So for me, a normal day, you know, I wake up before my kids because I have to have me time. (laughs) I have to be able to get my head right for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm reading my affirmations. I'm, you know, taking a shower. I'm getting ready. And I'm generally, when I'm getting ready, I'm listening to some type of podcast. Um, So if you're listening to this, like, that's awesome. That means that you're trying to better yourself and grow and learn. And and that can never stop. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to keep evolving. um, Otherwise, we just, we don't grow. And so for me, just being able to get my head right before even talking to anybody, um, I've blocked off my mornings. um, So I don't take any phone calls or anything until 9 o'clock. Um, because I need those hours to just get my life together. Um, Generally, the night before, I'm planning out, I'm writing down, I write everything, I'm a paper-to-pen person, so I'm writing everything down on what, you know, doing kind of like a brain dump of everything that's in my mind so that it's on paper, because a lot of times people feel so overwhelmed and stressed because they're keeping it all in their head. And we kind of tell ourselves these stories of like, there's just so much, and then once we put it down on paper, it takes the emotion out of it. And we're way more productive because we're looking at it like, okay, no, this is what it is. Not what's in my head, but like, this is what it is. And I can hyper focus on it. Yeah. Um, so really my whole day is all about structure because if I don't have some type of structure, like I'm, I'm so ADD, like I will be all over the place. I'm pulled in so many directions between my staff, my agent, you know, the outside world. Like it's just, it gets crazy. Um, so my calendar is what I, I live in. I live by. If it's not on my calendar, I will not remember, and it doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. So that's really how I stay sane, and I and I'm able to be productive, um, no matter what during the day. Um, generally, it's first thing in the morning. If not, I have to do it at night. But I do some type of physical activity, and it's not about weight. It's not about you know anything other than the fact that mentally, once I started incorporating working out, um, even if it's not a full workout, even if it's just like being outside or going to the gym and going through my routine, like that's the only way that I'm able to perform on a high level and not just break down because of the stress and things like that. Um, for the longest time I was running my business and I, my personal life was a complete crap because I was always putting myself on the back burner mm-hmm. and I didn't start thriving until I started making myself a priority and realizing like, you know, they say the cliche, like you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's the truest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentally was like, okay, I need to give this hour to myself because I give myself to everyone in my life and in my organization all day, Yeah. you know, and that's even my kids, right? Like you give so much of yourself to your employees and to everyone around you and you have to be able to put yourself first, you know, 
at least one hour of a day to be able to check out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that it's so important, honestly. I think that it's kind of like I always I always use the example of you're the the driver of the ship, you know. It's like your ship's not going to move without you. So it's like have the best version of you be driving that ship because that ship technically is your life. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah, I don't, I don't think we talk enough about mental health. Um, and, you know, the busier you are, like what you were just saying, you're like, I can't, I can't even imagine on your level, but if you don't get it right on whatever level you're at in your life, mm-hmm. it's not going to get any better. Yeah. Like it just gets... All, all I have now are just bigger problems. Yeah. Like, I just have more people to worry about. Yeah. So, like, growing does not relieve the stress. It just adds more. So you have to figure out how can you, you know, what does your mindset need to look like? What does your routine need to look like so that you can still perform at a high level and, you know, not stress out, not live or come from a place of chaos mm-hmm. because that's how you're going to run your organization and your business. Yeah. And it's going to trickle down because you're, you're the CEO. You're the leader of your, of your organization, whether you have – one employee or you have a hundred employees it doesn't matter mm-hmm. so you set the tone and for me you know it, it started to catch up to me I'm only um, 31 years old and when I was uh, 26 or 27 I had high blood pressure I was overweight um, and it was just it was it wasn't good for me or for for my employees mm-hmm. no I, I yeah this was a this is like new to me too it's been like a whole year of just working on myself and I can't even tell you how big of a difference it's made in my business so it just kind of gets addicting after that but you're totally right like the foundation of your work needs to be settled now because if you can't handle what you have on your plate now then you know how are you going to get bigger so thank you for sharing that that was awesome um one of the the one of the last questions here is I guess, what is your biggest success thus far? Like, what would you say? I know you're growing nationwide, but I'd really like to know, on a, even on a personal level, like, what's been the biggest success through your entire journey that you can think of? Biggest success? Um, I think, for me, being uh, with my organization, because it's so easy to, for me, it was so easy to make money, but I wasn't keeping it. Mm-hmm. And... I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, like we are, we're not taught to be financially literate and that's, that's been a whole other, (laughs) whole other journey with just spending money on the right things. And I know agents always ask that, like, where do I spend my money? Do I buy this? Do I buy that? And, um, a book that if you guys are listening to this and like, even you, I a hundred percent recommend this book. If you haven't already bought it, it's profit first. And this book changed my life. If someone tells you that a book changes your life, you need to get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, and I've recommended, I mean, I've had people tag me on my story all the time, like, thank you, because this is and this is just a random person. I have no idea who he is, but he is literally the male version of me. Like, the way he talks, the way he viewed money, and the reason why I am using this as an example is because I had to change my perspective of it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. Mm-hmm. And we can sit here, you know, in the world that we're in, we're constantly like, oh, congratulations, you're a million-dollar producer. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, I don't really care about how much you sell as an agent. If you're running a business and you're selling $10 million, but your net is you're making, you know, $50,000, are you really successful? Yeah. So, for me, changing my perspective of what success really meant was just a huge, huge change 
change in the way that I ran my business and the way that we started becoming actually profitable. Um, and that to me was just, I mean, getting to that point for me was, it was a, a game changer mm-hmm. and that book really helped me on the way that I viewed money and the way that I, um, structure my business now. And I think it's really important for agents to understand this, um, especially because like I said, it's so easy to get caught up in the BS like awards and like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing so great. But like, are you really doing good? Like, yeah. are you actually running a business? Are you actually making money? Because at the end of the day, who the hell cares? Like I have all of this, you know, these awards in my office, but they're not making me money. Yeah. Like they're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Like what matters is like, am I creating wealth for my organization, for my family, for something that could actually make a difference? Like that's where my focus shifted. So for me, I feel like that was a, a huge thing for me and my business. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, like actually like, um, you know, Oh, what's so great about what we've done? Like, I think really, uh, expanding when we went nationwide, I think that was a huge, like, fundamental uh, point of the company um, because we not only were, you know, locally recognized, but, like, now on a, we're on a national platform where people like you are like, hey, I know who you are. And so just that expansion kind of just, like, took us to that next level. Mm-hmm. And what what are your future endeavors that you guys see? Like, do you want to keep growing nationwide? Or what do you guys have planned? So... My goal is to really um, scale down and hyper-focus on um, just a couple markets and mm-hmm. dominate those mm-hmm. and create a community of agents um, across the nation that want to do short sales. So I have a group mentorship program that I put together um, just this last month. I've only ever done like one-on-one, and my goal is to create that community that I've always wanted um, because I, I just I feel like what we talked about earlier, like, we're so much stronger together and if we can have resources for people that are actually doing this um on a high level not oh I've done a short sale here or yeah I did three or four like that that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about you're doing three or four a day or you're doing five or six a month or this is all you're doing um there's nothing like that that's ever existed Mm -hmm. and so my goal my vision is that in the next couple years that I'll have this tight-knit community like that's exclusive that I've created that are people that are trained by me um, that are doing this all over the country so that I don't have to be in all 50 states because yeah. I have no desire to really take on any more short sales. Uh, <laughs> we're averaging about 100, and, um, 100 to 150 a month. Like I think right now we're at 136 listings. Wow. Um, good and, job. Like we're good. Yeah. Thank you. Like we're good. Like I don't need any more staff. <laughs> yeah. Any of that. Um, so, and that this is before the crash, or not crash, but this is before the shift. Mm-hmm. So, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like in a couple months. I'm excited for you. I'm so happy that I found you, too. So, I appreciate everything you've done, and I think educating other agents is so important in our industry, because at the end of the day, it's like, we're, we all should be doing it for the client, too, to better service them, and I'm like you, where I'm like in the relationship business. Yeah. So, that means a lot to me that you know, you're out there putting content, which is literally the same reason why I started writing my book. So it was just like, I felt like there was, like you said earlier, like the mindset part of it is not really talked about. And so my book is literally probably 40% real estate, 60% like how important sleep is, how important your time is, mentality, your everything, like family, friends, who you surround yourself with, your network, etc. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out when I launch it. But that's awesome. Yeah, girl. Um, 
I am not a writer. I mean, I guess I am now, but that was like one of the most painful things for me. People are like, you actually wrote the book. I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh. But it was, it was yeah. also very therapeutic because I was going through a divorce and I never actually thought that I would do it because it's very, um, I mean, you're putting yourself out there, Yeah. you know? Yes. So it's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, you're just kind of like, does anybody care? I mean, and I haven't really done any promotion for my book and, um, the actual book itself, you know, it, it, it was very well received. Um, I have no idea how many copies we sold, but it, it was a good amount. But the Audible one was number one on Amazon, um, and that one just, That's you know, so kind of went cool. to a different level. So yeah. it's it is it's a very journey. I definitely, you know, um, let me know when you publish it. You okay. know, I'd love to read it. I'm, I'm excited for you too. I love people that have the same vision, the same heart. Like uh, especially other women, strong women. Like we need more people to stand up because. Mm-hmm. Generally, when um, I am in rooms with top producers and people that are making waves in the industry, they're all men. Mm-hmm. And it's just like we need more people like you that are willing to step up and, um, you know, really put themselves out there and be willing to, to share those resources. So mm-hmm. congratulations on that. I'm Thank excited for you. you. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to watch you, too. So Do you want to, like, share, pretty much the last thing is I always say, just biz babe it out. So, like, any handles or your book is, uh, you know, you said it was called The Profit Book, the one that you recommended? Uh, Profit First. Profit First, got it. I'll put everything in the show notes and then I'll put, like, your book and any other links that you'd like to share. But Yeah, so the biggest thing right now is just our YouTube channel, The Short Sell Queen, um, you know, it's, we're putting uh, weekly videos out, just resources for agents. And then uh, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Nicole Spinoza. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Nicole, so much. It was amazing talking to you. And I hope you guys all learned a little something, something from the one and only Short Sale Queen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of San Diego Biz Babes. We really hope you could take something from this episode and grow. If you know someone that could also use this message, share this episode. Our guest information will be in the show notes. And for updates on our next podcast and business tips, follow our Instagram at San Diego Biz Babes. At San Diego Biz Babes.